This morning I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel chapter 5. I want to have a little fun with a very serious topic this morning. There is a famous comedian that has coined a phrase that uh, explains when people just don't get it. I think you'll pick up on it in just a minute. I, uh, someone came to the house one time, and of course I'm a deer hunter, and so I had stuffed deer heads on the wall, and this visitor came by the house and looked up and said, you kill that buck? I said, no. I said, uh, last time Santa was here, fell through the roof and got stuck in the wall. Here's your sign. And then, one day, I stayed in the office a little late, and uh, someone came by my office and said, you still here? I said, nope, left about an hour ago. Here's your sign. And in all truth, Friday morning, Brother Steve and I went fishing. And truth, I've got several eyewitnesses, just like those at the resurrection. Miracles happen. Uh, I met him in the church parking lot at 2.53 Friday morning. Melanie was at work sitting out in front of the police department, so I laid on the horn so she would see me. But Steve and I left here right around 3 and headed up to Clark Hill to fish, and we stopped around Wren's in a gas station. We'd been talking about this. And we pulled up to get some ice, and we pulled up to get some fuel, and got out of the truck. And one of those old guys that I don't know if they go to bed at like four in the afternoon, but I mean, he's wide awake like it's two o'clock in the afternoon, and he's at this store getting his morning coffee or whatever. And we pull up. And Steve's big old bass boat's hanging off the back of the truck. We just talked about this stuff. So I was primed for it. We got out of the truck. I don't think real good at 4.30 in the morning. But I got out, and as we walked across the parking lot, Steve heard it busted out laughing. This old man says, y'all going fishing? (laughs) And without hesitation, I said, nope, heard it was going to rain a lot. He laughed, the old man laughed, and we began to just talk and talk about the lake and fishing and all that kind of stuff. But I was like, really? We just talked about this. Are you going fishing? Some things seem so obvious, don't they? And yet some people don't get it. Through the scripture of Isaiah and through the songs this morning and what we learned in Sunday school and what we pray about and our our devotions that we have and our quiet time. God is everywhere and God is showing himself to those who know him. And yet we go through life literally at a point where God says, here's your sign. We go back to the time of exile. They had been warned for Umpteen years. We read through the prophets and the minor prophets and we see 
pre-exilic prophets, exilic prophets, and post-exilic prophets. And what that means, there are prophets who prophesied about the exile coming and then those who prophesied in it and those who prophesied afterwards. But they had been warned over and over and over and now they're in Babylon. God had allowed them to be taken to exile. If you feel like you're 100 miles away from God, you've got to stop and ask, did you read the sign? Well, they're here. And we know the story of Nebuchadnezzar. We know the story of the great vision that he had and this great big giant and all this stuff. But then we pick up in chapter 5 his grandson. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was not in rule anymore. Uh, uh, His son-in-law was running the Babylonian Empire, but Belshazzar was running Babylon the city. And that's where all the the power was. It's kind of like Atlanta and Fulton County. Atlanta is Fulton County, unless you talk to somebody from Sandy Springs. And so Babylon was where it was at. It had the great gardens of Babylon and the huge walls that was believed to be impenetrable. We see great things in history about Babylon. And Belshazzar had ruled. God had gotten Nebuchadnezzar's attention. You remember that? And he talks about it in this chapter. Nebuchadnezzar had done all kinds of things and uh, had, you know, he was not a, a Jew. He had not been raised in the faith, but God revealed himself and he acknowledged that the Jews' God was the God. Now his grandson had taken the throne and in this story rebelled. And so we pick up in verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. And they brought the gold vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was in Jerusalem. And the king, princes, wives and concubines drank in them. They drank wine, praised gods of gold, silver, brass, iron, wood and of stone. They had just a generally good old Saturday night time. And in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed And his knees smote one against another. He literally was shaking in his shoes. God had written a sign. But so many times in our life, God has written a sign. And he has written Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. He has written 39 in the old and 27 in the new. 66 books. Holy inspired. Venerable. Uh, a a verbal plenary inspiration, that which is infallible and without error, God breathed into our lives. We can search the scriptures and know what God's heart and mind is for you and me. And yet God uses other things as well. 
I don't know about you, but I've seen God speak to my heart in many different situations. We, we hear it in song, and God stirs our heart through spiritual songs and through all kinds of instances in our life. We've seen him speak through donkeys. We've seen him speak through clouds. We've seen him speak in the silent whispers of the night. God can do whatever he wants, but when God does it, Make no mistake about it, he is not the author of confusion. God will make himself clear. Now, if you're wondering if it's God, it very possibly is. And you need to stop and turn aside to the burning bush and see what God has got to say. But the problem is, too often, even in the midst of it, we do nothing. We put ourselves in a position to where we cannot read God's sign. And so first of all today, I want you to see, and the band played on. That's a very famous, famous saying about one of the greatest tragedies in American history. When the Titanic began to sink, They had spared no expense for that boat, which was unsinkable. And so they had in this great grand ballroom with the sweeping staircase that so many of us have seen, first in pictures and then on camera at the bottom of the ocean. And the story, whether it be myth or true legend, says that the band after they had begun to lower lifeboats, and they knew that the boat was sinking, they said, and the band played on. And looking back in retrospect, I can't help but think, why didn't you get in the empty lifeboats? Why? Because they didn't look. They didn't listen. Here's your sign. And they perished. You see, Belshazzar had seen, he had heard from his grandfather. He had saw what God had done for his children. And yet the band played on. Oh, he threw a party, great grand party. And you know what? We love, misery loves company. And so he threw a great and grand party. He said, we will eat, we will drink, we'll have a big time. The problem is so often in our life, there's a self-induced ignorance that we wallow in. We just simply choose to ignore that which is right square in front of us. Look in verse 22. And thou his son, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, O Belshazzar, hath not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. And Daniel had begun to tell him, what his grandfather had done and how God had changed him, how God had drove him into the wild and how he had wandered and how he would sleep outside and uh, everything just went away. He ate with the animals. God's word literally drove Nebuchadnezzar mad until after about two years he woke up one morning and said, you know what, you're God and I'm not. Yet Belshazzar, you have forgotten this. You have simply chose to ignore it. You knew all this, yet you've humbled not your heart. What is it that we are 
ignoring in our life today? What signs are we ignoring? It reminds me of that old sad joke about the guy that says, oh, I believe in God. Boy, you can go and you can talk to people and say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe all that. But if their faith that they have in believing in Jesus is the same faith they have to get them to church to worship him, to testify and read his word, it's a very shallow faith because they don't. And so there was one guy like that. Oh, he was all about believing in God, but he wouldn't go to church. He didn't tithe. He didn't share his faith. He just thought he was all right and ignored the signs. And they said the rains were coming, and they're coming quickly. There's going to be a flood. And so they came by, drove a four-wheel drive by his house, said, you need to get out. Everybody's evacuating. Mandatory evacuation. He said, this is my house. I've been here. I've seen all this stuff before. I'm not leaving. My God will provide. And the water began to rise to where vehicles couldn't come anymore. And so they got in a boat, and they came by the boat, and they come up to his house, and he was outside, and, uh, and he, he was actually on the second floor out the window, and he had already got up past the door. And they said, sir, you have got to come. The water is going to continue to rise. He said, I'm not worried about that. I've seen all this. I've rebuilt. This is my house. I'm not leaving. My God will provide. And the floods began to increase even more so that the whole house was overtaken except for the roof. And he would climbed out the window and climbed up on the roof. And he's sitting on the very peak of the house. And a helicopter came and hovered over and they yelled out the window, uh, out the door. And they said, sir, take the lifeline. This is your last chance. We're evacuating. There'll be no more chances. The water continues to rise. And he said, my God will provide. And they left him. And he drowned. And he was saved, but living in rebellion. What he thought sufficed for living did not matter. And he stood before a holy God. And he didn't go with the attitude of, oh, I should have listened. He went before God and he said, what were you doing? I was bragging on you. I told everybody. I told the four-wheel drive. I told the boat. And I told the helicopter, my God would provide. And he said, I did. All three of them. I gave you a way out in the four-wheel drive. I gave you a way out in the boat. And I gave you a way out in the helicopter. And still, you would not see the sign. What are we living in? What is it that causes us to be so bound by this self-righteous, self-induced ignorance to the holiness of of God. I love that text in Isaiah. He said, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm an unclean man. And he fell on his face before a holy God. God had to purify even his lips. They took that hot coal off the altar. We see when people saw God for who he is. Oh, Moses fell as a dead man. John said, oh, surely I will die today. When we come into the holy presence of God, we ought to acknowledge that he's holy. We're not. God's got a plan for your life, and it does not have check A or B. It's not up to you to decide. 
It's not up for you uh, for discussion. God's got a plan for your life. Follow it. Stop being ignorant of it. Stop blaming it on, oh, I can't understand this and I can't understand that. Can I tell you something? I am your pastor. But I am not your Savior. And I am surely not the Holy Spirit of God. I can tell you what God's Word says, but I cannot tell you with the authority that is God. God has a calling on your I can cast seed, but I can't tell you what God's plan is for your life. Can't do that. I can in, even instruct my own children. And I had answered questions for Emily as she began to go to college and she was up in the air about what her major is going to be and all this. And, and I just prayed, God, you just show her. And I'd made up my mind a long time ago. Becky and I had talked, we'd talked to her about all kinds of things. Everything from being a pharmacist to being uh, some kind of uh, forensic uh, scientist in the realm of criminal justice. She had talked about everything, I mean, from sonography to uh, psychology, all kinds of things. And one day she picks up the phone about a month ago. She says, Dad, I just declared my major. I said, well, cool. And she told me what it was, and I said, that's between you and God. That's what God wants, then God will lead you through it. Church, we've got to stop with this self-induced ignorance of not knowing or claiming we don't know. There is no excuse. We're living in the most advanced information age in this world. I mean, I'm to the point, I don't even use my computer as much as I do my phone. Because I can do just about the same stuff. In research and everything, I can pick up my phone anywhere at any time. I can look at on how to get there. When Steve and I went fishing, I zoomed in. We could look at where we wanted to fish, what the terrain was. We could, I, then I could go over. I could minimize it. I could go over there and I could read a fishing report. Tells me what they're catching on, where they're catching on. I could do all that stuff in a matter of minutes on my phone. Yet God's still bigger than that. We live in America. We live in a place, if you've never ventured outside of this, I don't know if you realize this, but there's not churches on every corner in every town in America. We live in one of the most churched areas in all the world. We have no excuse. We have Bibles in our house. We have Bibles on the table. We have Bibles in our car. We have Bibles everywhere except for where we need it most. And that's in our heart. Stop being ignorant. And letting the band, listen, I love having a good time. But you know what? The most sincere, true, good time is found in the center of God's will. It's not about how many, how big your circle of friends is. It's not how many followers you've got on Twitter. It's not how many likes you get on your Snap or your Instagram. It's not about how many people that you are involved with or how many people knows your name. It's not how important you think others think you are. It is whether God knows your name and says, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. Stop being ignorant. It's this whole idea of self-aggrandizement. Oh, I'm really important. I'm important. They can't do without me. Can I tell you, many of those out there in that cemetery thought the same thing. If God's led you away from a job, led you to take some time off, says you need to rest or you need to retire or you need to do something else, but you think they can't survive without you, they did before you got there. They were looking for a pastor at Eastside before I got here. And whether I leave, however I leave, and the Lord has not come back, this church will look for another one. Because I'm not the end all. I, listen, I'm just a man for a moment. But God is God eternally. I don't want to, I mean, I love all of you. I mean, you, you all mean so much to me. And so I, I hope you understand the spirit I'm saying this. You're not that important. Listen, you millennials, you're not near as smart as you think you are. Listen, I know some of you young parents have got it all figured out, and a lot better than 70, 80-year-olds, but I can tell you something. It may be different, but that don't make it better. I'm going to tell you who I admire, the ones that raised 11, 14 kids with no air conditioning. And no inside plumbing. And they worked outside every day. Now we think fresh air will give us cancer. We can't go outside and don't you dare roll the windows down on a vehicle. It's what air conditioning and heat's for. And that's how God keeps us alive. Listen, we have become so self-absorbed. He said in verse 23, But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before you. And thou and thy lords, your wives, concubines, have drunk wine in them. You have praised the gods of silver, gold, brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not. They don't hear. They don't know. And the God in whose hand your breath is, and whose are all your ways, have you not glorified? That's convicting to me. The things that I think I've got figured out. The things that I'm like, hey, hey, God, I got this. Now, you know, if you're a parent, your children have got at least two or three years old. You've had a child look at you and say, no, 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 I do it. No, no, no. I, and you know, and you know what you have to do? You have to let them fall. You have to let them fail. The greatest lessons in life from falling but if we run scoop them up before they hit the ground trying to learn to ride about they'll never learn I've seen kids riding bikes with training wheels as teenagers I've seen teenagers with pacifiers in their mouths I have I have listen you helicopter moms Huh? You overarching drill sergeant that 
put the helicopter on the ground. Step back from your deployment, Father, and let your kids grow up. Now teach them the right ways. But then you've got to trust God's bigger than you are, right? Right? I know it's painful. Listen, I don't do it right all the time. But I know what is right. And we need to listen to God because I don't have all the answers. I know there's been times in my adult life where I had to call my mom or call my dad because it was just like they were the only things that could fix it. But the older I get, the more I hear, well, son, I'm going to pray with you. But I don't know what to do. I went home discouraged, dejected, despondent, Becky talked, and tried to, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget, first church I ever pastored, we were having Bible school, and listen to me, um, not next week, but the week after Sunday night, 7th, isn't it? We'll be having our VBS, 7th or 8th, I think it's 7th. It'll be our VBS rally training that night. VBS is still the most evangelistic outreach our churches have. And Miss Michelle and others are invested. You need to stop being a Baptist and sign up now and not wait to that day and give her more stress. We, that's the way we always do it. Wait till last minute. Oh, I'm going to help. I just didn't sign. sign up. How hard is that? But Bible school, Satan attacks it every way he can because he's seen the record. He knows children come to know Jesus. Children that would never hear the gospel any other time will hear it during Bible school. And so in our first church, we were having Bible school. We had really put on the dog. We had done everything. We were ready. It was going to be great. And these two teenage boys, we had a teenage class. These two teenage boys walked in. They had their hats on backwards. I'm not as strange as I used to be. I'm like... Got a hat on back, or you don't even know what direction you're going in. They came in, they were in church, they were sitting there. And I know it's not popular today, but you know what? I don't care. And I looked at them with great compassion. I said, hey guys, we're in church, take your hats off for me. That's how I said it. I didn't say, you bunch of morons. We're in God's house. We're in the face of a holy God. You need to take off that hat and repent and get right with God. I didn't do all that. I just said, hey, guys, we're, we're in church. Would you take your hats off for me? That's how I said it. Well, one of them's aunt went off. I mean went off. So bad, I got so disturbed by it. We got everything going. Becky and I, I said, let's go eat. Let's, we left. We went to a little old restaurant. We're sitting there. I love how my wife is so supportive. Literally but knows how to give the right spiritual answers at the right time. We're sitting across the table, and I'm just ranting. I'm tired of this stuff, and people don't care, and they don't know, and blah, 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 and I'm just whining. I mean, listen, they need to bring a big old tub of cheese with all the whining I was doing. And she looks up from eating. She looks up at me. I said, I, I ain't going back. I'm done. Now, I'm by vocation. I don't need this mess. I don't need this headache. I'll go back around be itinerant preacher, but I don't have to deal with that mess. I said, I'm, I'm quitting. I, I ain't going to do it. I quit. She looked up at me, just kind of, she didn't stop. It wasn't no pregnant pause. She just looked up and she said, well, if that's what God wants you to do. 
Oh, I hate it. Oh, my goodness. Just, she literally said, here's your sign. I didn't quit. I left there about 10 years later when I was called to another church. I thought I was more important than I was. I thought that people's not going to say that and do that. Church, too often we get our eyes off the prize. Ephesians chapter 6, I mean chapter 4, verse 17 says, I say unto you and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you've not learnt, so learned Christ. Christians ought to know better. We ought to act better. We're not that important. Matter of fact, we are not important at all apart from Jesus Christ. Now, you mean the world to him. And the band played on. But then we see in verses 3 and 4, the adage of today, I can do whatever I want. I've got rights. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm not a teenager anymore. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I can say whatever I want. I can ridicule anybody I want. I can protest anywhere I want. I can burn stuff, tear it down. I can do whatever I want. I went to my, our storage uh, locker yesterday, and when I pulled up, the lock was gone. And I'm going to confess, I called my wife. I said, do you not pay the bill? I thought, oh, Lord, I could just see something on History Channel. They're selling all my stuff at auction. <laughs> she said, oh, we're paid up. It, you know, so the lock's gone. I slid the thing open and raised the door. And it's a bunch of old antiques. Ain't a bunch of whole, some old construction stuff, nail gun and air hoses and tool, tool pouches and all this kind of stuff, some baby crib and old dresser I used for toolbox and about 20 or 30 big Rubbermaid totes. And it's got beanie babies in it. It's got old knick-knack, paddywhack, junk in it. It's got kids' schoolwork from kindergarten all the way through, kids' clothes. Every single one of them were opened and dumped. Everything had been destroyed in that whole locker. But when I opened the door, my framing gun, you know, you could probably get 100 bucks for it at a pawn shop. It's laying at my feet. Three, $400 nail gun. There's a $100 brand new just about brand new tool pouch. It's got tool, I mean, it's got hammer and speed square, all this stuff. It's, it's sitting right there. There is a portable Makita table saw. Now, that don't mean something to many of you, but some, that, you can't buy them cheap. And it, all you got to do is grab it. It don't weigh 100 pounds. It weighs 15 pounds. Pick it up, throw it. Nothing was gone. Nothing. They just went in there and just turned everything open and turned it over and made a mess. 
We're living in a society today that thinks they can walk out in front of traffic, they can run from police, and then they've got rights, and they know the law, and they know the Supreme, everybody knows everything, and everybody's got a right to something. Verse 3, then they brought the gold vessels that were taken out of the temple, the house of God. The king, his princes, wives, concubines, they drank in them, drank wine, praised the gods of gold, silver, brass, iron, wood, and of stone. Listen, what we do when we rebel against the will of God and we think we can do whatever we want because we have rights, we're simply mocking the master. He said, you are not your own. The next time you think You've got a decision about life. You remember that. God's word said. Now, see, we like about all that business that God knows his plan for peace. Yeah, but it's his plan, not yours. I can do all things through Christ. Yeah, but you've got to have Christ as the Lord of your life to strengthen you. Or there's not going to be any strength. It's going to be self-sustaining strength. And every person in the Bible that ever tried to do that found utter disaster. He said, be not deceived. Don't, don't deceive yourself. Don't live in a pipe dream of thinking you can do whatever you want because God is not mocked. For what you sow, that shall you also reap. Church, we've got to stop with this whole idea that this is our world and we can do whatever we want to. We can talk to anybody. I don't care. That's just the way I am. I just give everybody my opinion. If you're one of them people, I just say what I think. Can I, can I break something to you? The people that smile at you talk about you behind your back. Because nobody, and I think all of us will agree, and every one of us in this room can say amen right here. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Amen. And no one wants to hear your opinion all the time. If they ask for it, yeah. But you know what? You ever seen those people? It don't matter. You can say, look, I just, I was going to share, but I really don't need it. But they're going to tell you their opinion anyway. They're going to tell you your opinion. They're not even in the conversation. They're just overhearing it. But they know everything. They'll interrupt you to tell you. People don't like you. Matter of fact, they can't stand you. They can't stand somebody who thinks they know everything about everything. Stop with a know-it-all. Stop mocking the Lord when we say, oh God, I'm so spiritual. I sang every note today. I even raised my hand. Going to camp, youth, and raising your hand don't make you closer to God. Getting closer to God may make you do that, but it's not the other way around. Amen? Now, being in a church don't make you a sold-out Christian any more than being in a pastor is going to make you a cow. But if you come with the right heart and the right motives and you seek his face, you'll find him when you seek for him with all your heart. Stop mocking the master. The prodigal son went into a far country because he mocked his dad. I don't need this. Give me what's mine. I just wished you were dead. That's what he basically told him. When he said, I want my inheritance now, he's saying, I wished you were dead. And yet he humbled himself. 
too often we mock the master. We mislead the masses. I want to break something to you, and this is probably one of the most harsh elements of this whole message. It said that when Belshazzar had this party, he commanded, because he was the king, he said, go bring all that gold and silver, all that stuff that we brought out of Israel, and bring it in here. And they polluted it. They used that which was made only for the temple of God, the only God. And they had a party in it. But that wasn't bad enough. You see, when they did it, just like the rich fool who tore down his barns and built bigger barns, what did he do that night? He had a party. And to have a party, what did he have to do? He invited everybody over. And so Belshazzar brought his wife and his kids and his concubines and his servants and his princes. He brought everybody in his circle, everyone that he wanted to party with. He brought them all in there and made them his accomplices. Are you misleading the masses? There are denominations that at one time was a lighthouse for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that has bowed down to culture, that has bowed down to the altar of public correctness, and they have forsaken the truth that is the Word of God. It's happening. It's happening now. And there are people in this county who have said, it's enough, we're not doing it any longer. Amen. And they're facing the wrath of that. And I had one tell me, he said, I am sick and tired of the bunch of left-wing, political correct crowd out on the left coast telling us what we're going to do. We're not doing it any longer. And that wasn't a redneck. That's someone who has held high authority in this county for a long time but understands there's authority bigger than him, bigger than a church council, bigger than a denomination. And we have got to stop misleading the masses to think it's okay to live however you want. Just come as you are and stay the way you've been. There's a difference. Yeah, come as you are. But Jesus said you ought to lead differently when you've been in my presence. Right? Do you know that every time Jesus showed up somewhere where something was dead, it was alive when he left? There was always a resurrection when Jesus come by. But there was one time, hear me now, there was one time when he got there something was alive, but it was dead when he left. It was an olive tree. It was symbolic of hypocrisy. And what he told that tree, he said, the tree has leaves but no fruit. It is no good for anything but to be plucked up and cast into the fire. And they came back the next day and were amazed that he had cursed that fig tree or olive tree. And 24 hours later, it was dead. That's what Jesus thinks about those who mislead the masses. Are we all leaves and no fruit? Do we look good and say, look, we can have a big fancy bus. We can put new signs up. We can pressure wash everything. We can 
put out pretty roses all down our pathway. But are we teaching and preaching, thus saith the Lord? I'm thankful for a youth pastor that doesn't mince words. He loves the kids enough to tell them the truth. And because of that, we saw two professions of faith here Wednesday night. And it was not just instantaneous. One had been coming to CLC classes for months. That's you. That's you, church. Do you realize that you have a profit's reward because of your giving to the world missions, giving to what we give here in tithes and offerings? Because some of that, a very small portion, but some of it kept up lights, provided a room, provided desks, provided paper, provided money to help pay for teaching. Taught them, thus saith the Lord. And they were saved. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. We need to be leading the masses to Jesus. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And listen to me, parents especially. It's all right to have a good time. And it's needed to have a vacation every once in a while. And it's great to play sports and to do other things. But if you start teaching your kids that church is only important if you don't have something else to do, then that's the God they'll worship when they grow up. Don't be surprised when you come in on Wednesday night and say, please pray for my son, pray for my daughter, pray for my grandkids. They're not in church. They quit. They moved off to college. They don't go to church anymore. They don't. When you taught them that God wasn't that important. That you could act one way on Sunday and act a different way during the week. That it was all right to tell a little lie or to be wrong in business. Listen. The problem is we've made our own gods. He said in verse 4, they drank and praised the gods of all this inanimate objects. God's not wood. God's not even gold. God's God. We saw the recompense of the calf in the wilderness and every other that's ever bowed the knee to Baal or a false god has suffered the consequences. No, church, we cannot do what we want. We have no rights. We belong to Him. And if you continue to do whatever you want, then just know, here's your son. Another famous phrase today, I know it's true. I saw it on the news. <laughs> exactly. I read it on the internet. It was on Facebook. It's got to be true. Just this past week, don't you tag me in none of that stuff anymore. I spent three hours removing tags. Claxton News Network. Fake. It wasn't even they was giving fake news. It was a fake account that was going in and doing whatever they do, cloning your. It was just a, it was a scam. There you go. See, it's the kind of people that I grew up hearing. If they would work as hard at working as they do to get out of it, they'd be a millionaire. I mean, who sits around and comes up with this stuff? 
But the point is, we think because we saw it or somebody told us it's the truth. Problem is, we're trusting in a world that doesn't even know God. If you get your religiosity and your Bible learning from the History Channel or from the Da Vinci Code, you may ought to go home and read the real thing. He said in verse 7, Then the king cried aloud when he saw these hand, his fingers writing. He called to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans. And the, and matter of fact, let me go on and tell you. He brought the Chaldeans in. Guess who killed him and conquered him? And the soothsayers and the king said, spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever will read this, I'm going to give him all kinds of reward. Listen, why do we trust in a world that don't even know God? We'll watch some show at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and we'll get all hyped up about something and think, well, I know the answer now. I know how I can lose weight. I know how to parent now. I know how to take care of myself. Oh, all this stuff is wonderful. I know about politics because I watched O'Reilly. He don't even have a job now. Huh? Stop trusting in that which is flawed. Go to the source. Go to the source. And when God's speaking to you, you'll know it. You'll have the same burning those two old boys on the road to Emmaus had. So didn't our hearts yearn, burn within us when he spoke? You'll know when God's speaking. Stop trusting a world that doesn't know God. Listen, I saw it on the news, so it must be true. Friends and family are not, friends and family are not the final authority. Kids, respect your parents. Honor your parents. Obey your parents. There's some that have been raised in this world that didn't have godly parents. Some didn't have sweet grandmothers. And their granddaddies were drunks. Some people railed the name of God. Are we going to follow that too? Just because they're family members? Belshazzar led his family astray. 24 hours later, he was dead. And the Mede-Persians had taken the kingdom. Everything they knew changed in 24 hours. And then, hear me now. I didn't know is no excuse. It's no excuse. He said in verse 5 and 6, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, and his countenance was changed. Look in verse 22. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, when Daniel came to give the interpretation, said, You have not humbled your heart, Though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. 
They brought all these vessels to God's house before you. And for the lords and wives and concubines and drunk wine in them. And you praised the gods of all these other things. Yet you have seen not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand your breath is, and whose are all your ways, have you not glorified? Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this was the writing that was written. And this is it. Many, many, tikal yufarsin. And this is the interpretation of the thing. First, many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and has finished it. What does he mean by numbering and finishing? Number one, God created it. He has finished it. God controls it. Your life is not your own. God created you. And God created you to be you. It's not up to you. To decide what gender you want to be. And who you associate with. You are who God created. Embrace it. Why you don't be something different? That's the biggest thing we all fight when we're young. We want to be like them. They got motorcycles. We want to be like her. She's prettier. We want to be like him. He's smarter. We want to be like them. They've got more money. I've got news for you. The older you get, the more you should reach a point of being glad you are who you are. And satisfied. Listen, church, you matter. You, not you dressed as someone else, not you acting like someone else. You matter. You matter to God. If all of us were deacons, there'd be nobody to serve. If all of us were pastors, who's going to preach? If all of us was going to sing, we'd stay in an argument who's going to have the solo next week. But it takes greeters and Sunday school teachers and people who help in the kitchen and people who work with the youth and people who work with the senior adults. It takes the church. I wasn't about, don't you dare quote, it takes a village. Hillary Clinton wrote that. It don't take a village. It takes God. And when we fall in line behind him, we don't need a village. We just need God. We need to understand, I didn't know it was not an excuse God's word is clear and unchanging. Amen? God gives his servants clarity. Amen? When God tells you something, you'll know it. But you got to listen. God's judgments, hear this now, God's judgments can be catastrophic when we're on the wrong side. Families can end up in dire straits. We can see death, disease, and destruction when God judges. But the worst judgment of them all is to ignore our sign, the sign of the cross in an empty tomb, the sign of the dove of the Holy Spirit coming down and speaking to man. To stand before a holy God lost and hear these words, depart. From me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Church, here's our sign. Jesus is real. 
Jesus really came to this earth, really born of a virgin, really lived without sin, and really died on the cross, that he was really buried in a borrowed tomb, and really, really, early on the first day of the week, rose again. He really is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for God's children. But make no mistake about it, the, build, the stone that the builders rejected has been made the chief cornerstone, but for those, he is our chief, but for others, it's a rock of offense who will fall upon them and crush them. You see, that's the standard we'll be judged against, is Jesus. We've been numbered and finished. God created and controls us. He said that we have been weighed just as he told them, he said, Belshazzar, you have been weighed and found wanting. What does that mean? God's will, God's son is the weight by which we are measured. And When he puts the holiness of Jesus on one side of the scale, we don't come close. We are found wanting apart from him. But then in verse 28, he tells us, he said, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and to the Persians. You know why he had a party? Because he said, we're impenetrable and we are undefeatable. The same thing they said about the Titanic, the Hindenburg, and every other creation of mankind. We will build this tower unto God so that we will be as God. And yet... They found utter destruction. You know why America is where it is? We've been divided and dispersed. The same way the diaspora ended up all over the globe because the Jews rejected Jesus. I want to ask you a question as they come to the instruments. And please do not move around. Please do not disturb those that God is speaking to. Please read the sign and answer this question. Are you living in denial, rebellion? Are you living in rejection of the truth? Though the sign is staring, Jesus has written it in blood in front of our lives. God is holy. Jesus loves us. Sin will kill us. Trust and obey. Are you living in denial? For those who will not be warned, We'll be wounded. Belshazzar said, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley said that too. All three of them are dead. Church, here's our sign. Jesus came into the world to save sinners in whom we're chief. Will we plead ignorance? It won't work. Well, we say, I just didn't understand, I didn't know, listen. God is trying to tell us today, I'm holy, you're not, get right with me. Trust me, I love you. If you need to trust Jesus as your Savior today, don't wait. If you're living in open rebellion, you think you can do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, today's the day you come to Him and say, God, I see the handwriting. I will not wait until it's the handwriting I, 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 I don't want to see. God, you're loving me by warning me. Don't go. Don't go. 
There was a guy one time who tried to block the road. It looked like he was just had run off the road and got sideways. He's out there yelling. And a guy come by and he said, what's that crazy drunk doing? Out in the middle of the road, he's going to get killed. The guy drove on up. And a boat had come down the river and hit a piling and took the whole bridge out. The guy drove off the bridge. True story. The guy drove off the bridge and perished because he did not see the sign, or rather saw it and ignored it. And the Holy Spirit's waving his arms at you today. Please. Destruction lies ahead. Come, come to Jesus. So as we stand, just one motion, stand and come. Come to the one who paid it all.